deal, man. Politic in the podcast. We here with Untapped Hip Hop, man. They had to stop through Rigor Mortis Studio. We located in downtown San Bernardino. We got all your studio needs, podcasting, photography. We got the recording booth. We do a little bit of everything, man. Events. Tap in, man. Politicandbroadcastingnetworks.com. You want an interview, go through the website, schedule your interview, pull in. Tap up. So, introduce yourselves, man. Yo, my name is D. Will, uh, co-founder of Untapped Hip Hop, uh, out here in the great Inland Empire. Yo, my name is Dektor, also co-founder of Untapped Hip Hop. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> so, Untapped Hip Hop, how, how did you guys come up with the concept? What was the whole motivation behind it? Behind the name or just behind the whole Behind movement? the whole movement. How did you guys just say, you know what, we're going to create a hip hop channel and magazine it was like how did you guys end up there uh funny thing is the magazine actually started off as a class project we uh we went to uh, design yeah we went to uh the art institute together before it closed down uh one of the projects was was coming up with a magazine a digital magazine and you know like they you know like great students in the yard we always procrastinate to the last minute I uh, went out to an event in Pomona. Uh, one of my favorite artists was out there doing his thing, uh, Justin Moore. He was uh, doing hip hop characters or caricatures of hip hop artists, you know, like Easy E, Snoop Dogg. So I'm like, this shit is dope, man. I want to do a, a magazine that's based off like fine art and, and hip hop culture. And I uh, pitched the idea to Justin. I'm like, yo, let's um, let's run this for our project. <laughs> you know what I mean? What you think about this? It's uh, if we do it, we're we're from stupid names from, like. Um, Hip hop to fine art, uh, yeah, it was, it was H2FA. A and, yeah. <laughs> and then I fell asleep watching the History Channel one night when I woke up. It was talking about the uh, the California gold rush and how cats would sell their whole lives just to move out to the West Coast and, you know, try to make it big on a claim. A lot of cats who moved out here, they went, uh, they would buy, they'd buy their uh, little mines and shit. And um, they would dig for, you know, maybe a couple of days, a couple of weeks, a couple of months. And not hit nothing. They said they'll decide to uh, sell off their claim to the next miner who sold their whole life to come out here. That miner, you know, did for a few hours and hit a vein of gold. And I was like, I never want to be that first miner. We got so much talent out here in the Inland Empire, you know, and just people not willing to dig for it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's about, it's not about, you know, trying to make it off of, you know, just a couple of days of work. You, you got to put in work and you got to, Go out here and cultivate. You know, you gotta see who's really popping, who's really making, making noise, and, and, and doing stuff for the community and the culture. And you know, that's something that we wanna put a spotlight on on here, out here. Definitely, that's the whole motive behind what we're doing here at Rigor Mortis. Rigor Mortis means uh, stiffening of the body after yeah. death. So, like you were mentioning, the gold rush right now. This is the gold rush for creators. Exactly. There is no set way to do it. There is no set way to go viral. Yeah. There is no set way to handle business in 2019 going forward. So what we created was a, a collaborative business model where we collaborate with as many um, creators as possible to try to shed light on all of our talents and all of what everybody's doing within yeah. the community. So. It's basically just creating a platform for people to share their ideas and to, to share their uh, creativeness. Definitely. You know what I'm saying? And put put their uh, 
shine a spotlight on what they're doing, you know what I'm saying? Especially for the community out here in the Inland Empire. Because a lot of things that's going on in like LA County, which is an hour away, we don't have, but we have these same type of creators. We have the same type of atmosphere. We just need to buckle down and uh, and, and tap in with each other, you know what I'm saying? I'll be telling people who, who ain't from California, man, if you guys want to move to California, if you, if you want to like, if you're an artist and you want to move to California and you want to, you really want to test what you're made of, come to the IE. Come out here. You know what I mean? Because we got, like I said, we got some top-notch artists just across the board. Not even just hip-hop. Across the board, man. And, like, if you want to see how you stand up to, to anybody out here in the world, come to the Inland Empire and see what you can do. Definitely. I'll stand by that. <laughs> so... Untapped hip hop. Where, where can people find this? Is this a weekly thing? Uh, how, how often do you guys drop content uh, on issues? Our magazine we do. We're doing quarterly right now, so we do four a year, and we do actually I say we do five because we do a special edition each year, uh, one without ads and just you know straight art and content. Uh, each quarter we pretty much put a shine on different elements of hip hop. So. One quarter will focus more on graffiti. Next quarter will focus more on the MC. Uh, quarter after that will focus on the B-boy, the DJ, you know what I mean, so on and so forth. Um, but it's not just about the four elements. We also want to focus on just art inspired by hip-hop culture. So I'll be telling people, y'all out there making some uh, hip-hop cupcakes, holler at us because we want to put some shine on you. I mean, I definitely like Eating cupcakes, as you can see, I'm not a big fella. <laughs> so, what is your relationship? You guys met at the Art Institute. That was the beginning of it. Yeah, like I think it was like back in. Well, my first year going there was spring of April 2012. I remember vividly meeting D. Will at a. It was one of the bedrooms, and we just kind of chopped it up a little bit, and you know we exchanged our names. Me, I didn't anticipate, like, oh, maybe I'll seem like, you know, once I blue moon. <laughs> End up having, like, uh, my, one of my first classes with him at, at the first quarter there attending was Perspective. Uh, ended up having him there. And we just kept going there. Like, I know, um, I think, like, I think it was, like, after Perspective class, we tried to do a, a life drawing club. Like, we went to that one. Yeah, yeah. And, um... And th that became too overwhelming for me. <laughs> so as far as that, we just like just went from class to class, and then uh, fast forward, that's we just you know became good friends. And yeah, pretty much, right? So are you guys the only two behind Untapped Hip Hop? Is there more of a nucleus, or is uh, it just you guys running? It started off as three of us. We had uh, it was me, it was Vector, it was the homie Farmer. Uh, Furman, you know, he had his own things he wanted to take care of, so he's like, you know what, if you want to go and do that, handle business, door is always open for you when you come back. Um, for the most part, it's been us, too. Uh, but, like, you know, everybody, every time we interview somebody, every time we meet somebody new, I mean, it's like, uh, we, we let them know. It's like, if you need anything from us, holler at us, we'll do what we can. And it's always been likewise, you know what I mean? Um, the Dope Spot Studios out in Pomona, they've been holding us down to shoot our interviews on serious cartoon records. You know, when we when we need a venue out here, if an artist can't, you know, make it out to Pomona, we'd be like, yo, can we shoot something out here at Serious Cartoon? And Phantom and Gilead's been real, real cool with us, 
shooting over there. No, even in special cases, like if, well, I live in a high desert, but like if some at past events, like when D Will would make a trip to the high desert, like Matt Studios as yeah. well, too. Konami Hami out there, you know what I'm saying? Konami Hami 1919 AK out there holding down the high desert, so yeah. <laughs> well, so y'all tapped in everywhere. Yeah, he's trying to. Yeah. <laughs> he's yeah, trying. All over the Inland Empire, y'all, yeah, everywhere. Biggest county in the world, bro. So, so how long has this been going? You guys are, what, three, year, three four years in? 2016. Yeah. Uh, fall 2016. I think, I, I want to say, I want to say 2015, because that's when we held, held our first event. So Yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. Correct. My, my, my apologies. Yeah, next year will be our, our fifth year anniversary. Oh, man, yeah. so y'all rolling, man. I know, I'm about rolling in the two years into this. Hey. I know the first year was like, I was counting, you know. <laughs> At this point, I don't even count the days no more. Ah, man. You just got to keep it pushing, man. Shit starts blurring together after a mm -hmm. while, you know what I mean? It's, uh, I only count the big years, the, the third, the fifth, the tenth, and then whatever you want to count. That. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm really just waiting to look up at my fifth year and see where I'm at because... I started a podcast within six months. I got a studio. Within a year, I was getting eight to ten thousand listens of uh, episode. Oh, yeah. Within one year, I got my press credentials, and I was starting to cover uh, different events. Yeah. You know, and now like a year and a half in, I'm starting to get my studio together. That's just a good feeling, you know though, what I'm right? Saying? So. Once that, once that snowball started happening, uh -huh. that shit feels good, right? <laughs> exactly, you know. So I'm kind of settled in. One thing that uh, my girl brother said to me, is, and which was, I, I seemed to uh, not really think about, was he told me, like, you don't really understand your sphere of influence. Like, it's a lot of people that's being influenced by you. It's a lot of people that you're touching that because you're so genuine and pure about your intentions, you don't really stop to think about all the people's no, lives right. that you're uh, affecting in a positive manner. You know what I'm saying? And I get so stuck in the grind and, and stuck in the ups and downs that I have to sit back and realize that I need to enjoy this because the, the road and, and the, the struggles is the testimony. You know what I'm saying? And that's what makes it all worthwhile. You know yeah, what I'm saying? It's, it's crazy when, when you take that time to stop and you look back and you're like, I came a far ass way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Every day I walk into this studio and I look and I'm just like, damn. Like when we got this studio, if you look at it now, there was no paint on the walls, there was no baseball. It was concrete floors. We literally built this shit from scratch with our own hands. Every piece of construction you see in here, we did ourselves. We put the money up, we put our own hands, sweat, blood, and tears into this motherfucker. So when I come in here, it's like, damn, like, manifestation is real. You you see it, you believe it, and you achieve it. It's really that simple. Yeah. But you have to see it in your mind first. You have to believe that it's possible, and then you have to be diligent enough to, to work at it no matter what. You know what I'm saying? And manifestation is it's very simple if you follow that mode. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. I, I ain't gonna front. There's, there was times... Where where I would I guess question what I was doing, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Not not because I didn't like what I was doing, not because it wasn't profitable. It was just like, can I make this happen as a person? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. is, 
it possible? Because, you know, it's, it's like I, I come from, I'm a, I'm a millennial, but, like, uh, the generation before us where the way I grew up was like, you know, you had to be, you know, a doctor, you had to be a lawyer if you wanted to be, you know, big time or something. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's always something that I was like, okay, if I can't do that, I'm just going to be working in, in, you know, the trenches and shit, I'm going to be working in, in fucking sewers and cleaning shit. You know? mm -hmm. And like, just like you said, the way today, the way things have changed today, if you have a fucking phone in your hand, you can make something happen. You know, every everybody has a camera nowadays. If you want to sit down and start a YouTube channel, you got a phone, you can... You can do it all, you know what I mean? It's just out there being willing to put yourself out there, being a genuine person, you know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. um, I'm a big believer, you know, people are attracted to genuine, to, to genuineness the way moths are attracted to light. So mm -hmm. if you if you shine it, you know, people will see and they'll, they'll, they'll move towards you. They'll see what you're doing. And that's how you affect a lot of people out there, you know what I mean? It's, when you say in the trenches, like, I feel that completely because... I was uh, homeless. I moved into a room for rent. Was uh, spinning my wheels trying to find a job when I caught a gun charge, three felonies at 17. So I couldn't find a legal job for about a good five years where I, I just couldn't get hired. You know what I'm saying? So then I ended up finally getting a job at, uh, at the new Under Armour warehouse in Rialto, right when they got, right when they built it. I know where that and is. <laughs> I was supposed to come back the next day with my two forms of ID, and I lost my wallet on the bus. And I, I literally had like a mental breakdown, went crazy, like punching shit, and broke my hand, punching shit. So then I was in the cast for six months, and right when I got the cast off, the homie got me plugged into a plumbing company. Now, when I got hired with the plumbing company, I was basically like the only black person on the job site. 500 people working. Um, so then, of course, they gave me all the grunt work. So for like my first, I would say, six months, all I did was stand out there in dirt and dig trenches. And digging trenches literally is what got me out of the hole and put me in a position to start moving towards my goal. And digging trenches got me here. You know what I'm saying? So when they said they started in the trenches, I literally started in the trenches. The grimiest shit. You, if you could go through the grimiest shit, you know you could do anything. Mm -hmm. I was doing uh, I was doing freelance construction. You know, carrying fucking concrete hoses around back. Uh, this is when I graduated high school. I wasn't, a, I wasn't the sharpest uh, knife in the box, so, you know, I started off doing grunt work, you know. Mm -hmm. A lot of uh, construction-based jobs, a lot of uh, moving cars for for uh, small dealerships and shit. So, it was, um, so it's like, you know, it's you get into a mindset, you know, and it's, it's hard to get out of that mental prison. Mm -hmm. And if you take the time to really believe in, in, in yourself and, and yourself as a creator and someone who can actually produce something that you think people will appreciate, that's that's the biggest freedom you can have as a person, you know what I mean? It's just like we build these prisons in our head because we think this is what we're only good at. And, you know, I thought I was only good at moving concrete hoses and, and fucking moving cars at one point, you know? So, like, yeah.
it's interesting that you mentioned that as well, because like um, I, at the time, like I was working at Walmart, I was, for lack of a better word, comfortable where I was, and I had a lot of fear in terms of like my art. Like I knew I could draw, I knew I could do something creative, but I always had that fear, and a lot of that was like mentioned, you know, that mental prison, and. Um, one person that definitely helped me break out of that prison, or I, w I would say he was very responsible in terms of me just, you know, conquering my fear and just being more disciplined and so well. I consider him my older brother is um, Chris Myers. Um, he was the one that, for lack of a better word, woke me up out of that mentality where instead of like, I can't, I can't. Because um, one example was like, I used to tell him like, oh, I have this learning disability, oh, it's because of this learning disability, it's because of this, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And then actually one day he's like, hey, do you believe that? And I was like, what do you mean? Do you believe you have a learning disability? I'm like, do you actually believe that? And I was like, oh, oh honestly, like, I mean, I question it. And he's like, okay, well, if you question it, that's bullshit. Mm -hmm. So after that, it's something just kind of clicked, and I was like, you know what, it, it is bullshit. And so eventually I started like, I stopped blaming certain individuals where I felt that they failed me. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I started going with the part like, okay, well if I don't know this, then I'm gonna teach myself this. If I don't know our history, well then it's my duty to find out that history and start on this book so I start reading like, you know, Nat Turner, just really don't know nothing about Nat Turner. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Nat Turner's story is crazy. Yeah. Man. Well, I'm a Garvey guy, you know. I'm, yeah. I'm, you know what I'm saying? Marcus Garvey is probably my biggest influence as far as uh, my mind state and approach. But when you talk about that, I was thinking, uh, have you ever heard of something called self-actualization? Mm -mm. So it's the process of just, to know where you're going, you got to know how you got here. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So it's really just a process of evaluating all your major decisions in your life, but removing everybody else and just looking at why you made the decisions you made without, oh, you'd be like, okay, well, I did that because he did that. No, you got to remove them mm -hmm. and only realize. And when I self-actualized, I realized that three things made me move. It was anger, spite, and desperation. So when I sat back and I looked at where I was at in my life, it's because all the decisions that I made were off of anger, spite, or desperation, which all pushed me towards a paradigm or a life that I don't want. So once I realized that and I actualized, I had to realize that no longer will I make any decisions when I'm angry. I got to let shit go. I can't be spiteful. I can't hold on to anger. And desperation, with my back against the wall, I got to sit down and come up with a firm plan to, to get myself out of these holes instead of jumping at the first thing that I think would alleviate the stress. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And the first, the thing that led me to that was crazy. I was watching The Matrix, the second one. And, yeah, and Neo, they're looking for the key maker. Mm -hmm. And they go to the Merovingian, and they're like, the, we need the key maker. And the key maker is like, I mean, the Merovingians, why do you need the key maker? And he like, because they like, because the oracle said we need the key maker. 
And he's like, you guys don't know why? And he busts down and starts breaking down causality, mm -hmm. which is causation. He's like, you know, understanding why is the true power in life. Understanding why things occur and why things happen puts you in a power place. Mm -hmm. And he's just telling them, like, if you don't understand why you're doing something, you're a sheep. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So then I had to sit back and I had to break that. That woke me up. That was my awakening point. It was like, you know what? If I don't understand why I'm doing something, then I have no business in doing that. That's y'all. Yeah. That's why. You know what I'm saying? That movie was dope. <laughs> I know. I watched that movie like 10 times while everyone was like shitting on it. But yeah. I was, like, I was analyzing the, the message and the memes. For real. And then when he met the architect, yeah. <laughs> oh, Just that. That made everybody angry. That, 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 but the architect told him, like, you know, like, what people don't understand is uh, paradigms and paradoxes. So a paradigm is kind of like your life is a, a continuous motion until right. it ends. So it's called a trajectory. Yeah. And different paradoxes are different. Um, are different life-changing moments that if you if you attack them in the right way, it can send you on a positive trajectory. And if you make the wrong decisions, it can send you on a negative trajectory. And that's what I had to realize was out of anger, spite, and desperation, I kept sending myself on a negative trajectory. So then when I'm down here and I realize I'm down here, I want to blame him, I want to blame him, I want to say he did me wrong, but in reality, it was my own decision making that kept sending me down there. So, you know, I think that's hard for a lot of people to yeah. accept. That's mm -hmm. what, you know what I mean? To be real with themselves, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like that—that's that was probably the hardest thing was getting out of your own way. Self sabotage yeah. is not the only way, man. And as black people, we practice so much self sabotage that mm -hmm. we we walk around with this. Oh, I wish a nigga would do something to me because I'm ready to. Self-sabotage at any moment. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it's kind of a crazy mindset that we carry ourselves in. Yeah. But it's a defense mechanism that we have to learn to get out of. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's crazy, man. The different things you can, can learn when you actually start to uh, tap into your own mental capacities. You know yeah, what I'm saying? yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy because uh, I feel like we're in a culture where people want to learn so much about other peoples and other cultures that we're neglecting to, to sit down and figure out our culture and who we are as people. And that's why the concept of Wakanda was so big in Black Panther. Mm -hmm. Because... I still haven't seen it. The, the concept... For me, if you look at Black Panther, man, I, I liked it for the culture, for the black people, yeah. showing uh, black people collaborating. But it was a lot of problems that I had with Black Panther. Like first, the first problem that I had is that the mainstream media always wants to emasculate the black man. Yeah. So mm -hmm. when so when you have a character like Killmonger, and then you have T'Challa, Killmonger is a clear alpha male, mm -hmm. and T'Challa is a clear beta male, mm -hmm. and hip-hop, I mean, uh, white media will always show us that the, the beta male is supposed to be the leader of the black man, and the alpha, the black alpha male is a criminal. 
yeah. and mm-hmm. the enemy of the state. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? That's their worst fear is that black alpha male, you know, asserting itself because that's something that they know they can't handle. That's why it, they endorsed Martin Luther King and mm-hmm. uh, Malcolm X. Yeah. You know, that yeah. was like hell now. Nah, you know what I'm saying? Malcolm X was one of my heroes. Exactly. Like in that Turner, they would be like, hell nah, you know what I'm saying? Because the black alpha male is emasculated. They, they want us to believe that our leaders need to be these beta males that are going to bridge the gap between the white community and the black community instead of the alpha males building something solely for the black community. Yeah. yeah. And then they, they kind of took the story of Shaka Zulu and made it into the character of Killmonger. Now, if you're familiar with Shaka Zulu, when the white people started to colonize Africa, Shaka Zulu went to different tribes and said, hey, we need to unite so that we can hold our ground against the colonizers. And a lot of tribes was like, no, no, no. So then Shaka Zulu was basically like, well, it's going to be get down or lay down because we can't let these niggas come. So y'all either going to get down with us or... We're going to eliminate the niggas that's not getting down because we got to hold our own, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And that's the reason why Africa wasn't fully colonized is because of Shaka Zulu. I forget, it was 13 tribes that fled Shaka Zulu and went up into the mountains. I forgot, I can't really think of the story right now, but they literally took the story of Shaka Zulu and those 13 tribes, yeah. flipped it, and turned it into Wakanda. <laughs> so this is actually, and then when they do, they do something, they, uh, they talk about, uh, what's the shit called? Uh, vibranium? Vibranium. Uh, now if you know, if you ever heard of Coltan, Coltan is a mineral that absorbs and redistributes energy. And this is what they're using in lithium batteries. Mm. They're raping the Congo right now for Coltan. And this is... We wouldn't have, we have lithium batteries and everything. Our cell phones, cell phones wouldn't be possible without coltan. The recharging the battery is the coltan that's retransferring the energy within the lithium battery. So they literally took a mineral that's real and changed it into a fictional thing. And they're literally still raping the Congo right now and still colonizing African, Africa for Coltan. Right. And as black people, we need to realize that this shit is real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when are we gonna stop looking at Wakanda and actually build Wakanda? Right. Yep. Because the motherland has everything we need. That's Akon is a... He's from uh, Senegal, right? Exactly, yeah. and he's been uh, investing in Africa yeah. and uh, yeah. Building power plants and, and water plants, yeah. and like I said, I'm a, I'm a Garveyite. Every other country, like let's say I'm an Asian, I can come over here to America, get loans from an American bank, and go back home to China and get loans from a Chinese bank. So that's one thing that we don't realize is that all these foreigners are coming over here with foreign loans from foreign bricks. To, to start businesses in America. And then you wonder how the Indians got the the liquor stores and the Asians got the nail shops. and Because they have these banks back home that they can tap into to get money. White people have the banks 
within America to get money. Because there is no banking system in Africa, there is nowhere for us to run to get money. There is no seed money. The system is not built for us. Yeah. So we need to build up Africa and build up our own resources so that we can tap into our African resources at will, just like every other member of America does. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And people don't see it or view it that way. You, you can take a million dollars and invest it in Africa and make $20 million providing power for somebody. But instead, niggas will buy a vendor door. Or niggas will, will pull out the new ghost. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> niggas will, I mean, I got jewelry on. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm guilty of it, I mean, too. yeah. We, we, all, <laughs> we all definitely guilty, yeah. guilty of it. But yeah. like, I've never, like, I've always been the type of person to live within my means. You know what I mean? I'm, I've never been someone who was like, okay, I made $100. But let me go spend 99 of that on, you know, something. No, right? Like, yeah. I'm always someone who, who's like, because... I grew up, you know, obviously, uh, not obviously, but I grew up in a split household. And, you know, I'm always moving back and forth between my mom and dad. And it's like we never had too much at any given point. So, like, I've always been in that mindset. Whatever I make, I need to make sure it's going to last me. And if I can, have it last for my family, but I'm no longer here. So, like, I never really understood. Uh, I get it, like, you know, the jewelry thing, flex and power, king, king shit, you know what I mean? But it's like... I don't need it, bro. Just, just give me a watch. Give me, give me a, a, a pair of glasses. I'm good to go. <laughs> yeah, all I gotta do is yeah. tell time to hey, see. We, we all wear glasses here. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't survive without hey, these. Yeah, I'm blind. Man, especially at nighttime. The free light, oh, no. hey. the free light like this. That's when I realized <laughs> I needed glasses. <laughs> I was driving. I used to work nights. So I used to get off at like three, four in the morning. And I would be driving on the freeway, and I'm like, am I just super tired, or can I not see? <laughs> you know, and after about three months of thinking, I'm like, okay, I'm not tired today. Yeah. And I still can't see, so let me go get a, a check. Let me get my eyes you know real quick. Yeah, man. So, so the 2020 election is coming up, man. Mm -hmm. Who you, Who is your guys' candidate, man? Uh, I don't vote, bro. Like, you don't I, vote? I vote in I, I local was, elections. Uh, okay. I, I'm, I'm on the same point. Yeah. Last, I, I do vote, but last time it was Hillary and Trump that I couldn't yeah, vote for me. Yeah, yeah, so I skipped the presidential election. I'm not yeah. voting. I can't be. I, I'm anti-Hillary, but I'm not going to be the nigga that voted for Trump. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't rocking your uh, make yeah, America great. Nah, yeah, you know what I'm saying? So I couldn't be, I couldn't do neither, so yeah. I was I, I decided to sit it out. Yeah. So right now, man, it's Elizabeth Warren, followed by Joe Biden, followed by Bernie Sanders. Right. Those are the three. Bernie Sanders was like the big, big. Uh, no, yeah. Elizabeth, Joe Biden, uh, Bernie Sanders was kind of a front that, runner. Yeah, so he got that heart attack. He was a front runner. Him and uh, Camilla Harris, and then Joe Biden threw his name into the hat. Mm. And then everybody was like, oh, well, he's going to make Obama and his vice president, which we know was bullshit. Because yeah. if, if you knew Trump, I mean, Obama told Biden, like, don't run against this nigga. He's stupid. <laughs> don't do it. You know what I'm saying? So, it was, but Obama didn't even want you running in the first place. He's really not going to endorse you. So, you haven't seen, that's one thing that Biden has been failing, is that 
there hasn't been no uh, Obama endorsement. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? If, if Obama came out and said, yeah, get my nigga Biden in there, his trajectory would be way higher than what it was. But because he came out and Obama ain't said nothing on his behalf, yeah, you know. His numbers are dropping. That's uh, mm -hmm. See, that's why I only mess with the uh, hometown elections because I always believe you, you have to start off where you're from. Mm -hmm. You know, make, make your home good before you start trying to make everything mm -hmm. else around it good. So it's like, I live in Fontana. Fontana, you know, it's not, uh, there's areas there that, that really need help. So I'm like, let me focus on that before I start focusing on, uh, mm -hmm. on all these bigger elections. Because to be real with you, like, uh, what, remember that time um, when Obama came to San Bernardino after the shootings? Mm -hmm. All they did was fix up E Street. You know, it was like, yeah. <laughs> like, they repaved E Street for, for Obama, and that's, that's it. And I'm like, I mean, Y'all did that for Obama. Y'all could have just, you know, fixed up a lot more just for yeah, the community. Yeah, a lot more. But if you look at San Bernardino, that's about the corruption. The city council, man, they were stealing money for like, and they were stealing money for like 20 years and bankrupt the country. Yeah. And then they got the uh, relief fund and stole that too. Yeah. <laughs> we were uh, so, we were in a few of those meetings when we were uh, doing our first event. Uh, we, we went through the city. Uh, we were looking for a grant through the. Uh, Art, um, I forgot the name. Yeah, the Fine, Fine Art, Art Committee, Council. Fine Art Council, and we we sat in on one of the uh, mayor meetings, just you know, like get a get an idea what's going on and see what uh, you know, how how I guess the process works on on doing these types of things, and like people were upset with the mayor at the time, and I feel bad for this cat over here because his last name Valdivia. And everybody yeah. thought he was related to him. Yeah. <laughs> and then I actually met that cat, and then I looked at him, and he, just, just the body language that I peeped in, what he was doing, like, I was, nah, I looked at him, and I was like, nah, just get, so, get so away from me. So, have, have you heard of a new problem going on with city council? Uh, so, they, they got a new budget, and they... They allotted funds, they gave all this, these funds to the police department. Yeah. And then they made cuts on different, uh, they made pay cuts on different positions within the city government. Yeah. And then they petitioned, they petitioned and fought it and got their wages reinstated.